0: Priyanka Chopra Jonas Unfinished Preface to Like Water Be like water. It's a way through cracks. Do not be assertive. But adjust to the object, and you shall find a way around or through it. If you put water into a cup, it becomes the cup. If you put water into a bottle, it becomes bottle. You put it into a teapot, it becomes the teapot. Now, Water can flow or it can crash. Be water, my friend. Bruce Lee My kindergarten year was spent at Catholic school in Delhi, where my parents were stationed at the time. I adored my teacher, Mrs. Bhaskar, my best friend, Dennis, and everything about my little school. When Dad told me I had to bid farewell to my happy life at St. Paul's, because it was a time to transfer again with my parents in the military, we moved every two and a half year to three years, I burst into tears. In an attempt to calm me down and convince me of what he believed was an opportunity, dad sat me on his lap and flipped the whole prospect of moving on its head. You don't want to leave because you think your whole life set here. He said, but in fact you are one of the lucky few who can leave your mistakes behind. If there is a class you don't like, or if you're not doing so well in maths, or if some teacher that is that has bad impression of you, the next school you go will be like a clean slate. No one will ever know you, anyone of that. Now you can become whoever you want to be. That's your superpower. His clever approach swayed me. I began to get excited about the prospect of moving to a new place. Be like water, he said. Find the best situation wherever you are and make it work. Dad's wisdom set me up to succeed and helped establish a sense of adventure and wanderlust in me early on. As a young girl and then a teenager, it was freeing to know that I wouldn't be defined forever by who I would been or what phase I was going through at any given moment. Bad hair made by social fox pass failed a class as Alia said, dust yourself off and try again, nothing lasts forever and I could always start fresh somewhere else. Even now, every time I move to a new place or go on a location or for work, I look forward to packaging my bags. I get excited thinking about what the next adventure will bring. Reinvention, adjusting or acclimatizing to new environments, overcoming fear of new places by opening up to possibility. These are some of the principles by which I have lived my life. Of course, I didn't embody the like-water principles all that consistently early on. In fact, after my brother's Siddharth was born, I was less known for being fluid and more known for being a brat. I had been only child for close to seven years and the first girl child on my father's side of the family. Suddenly, there was this crying attention-stealing thing that had come along. Sid was much-wanted and much-awaited baby, who had been born prematurely. He had to stay in an incubator in the hospital for a period of time. And when he came home, he was still so tiny that he had to feed with a, da- with a dropper. As months went by, I came to adore his perfect curls, his giant brown eyes, and his baby babble. But as cute as baby as Sid was, I couldn't get past my jealousy over all the attention by he was now getting. As a result, I acted out a lot. One evening, my parents and I were watching television together in their bedrooms. I was lying on my tummy and snacking on some chips. Dad asked me to pass them. No, I responded without taking my eyes off the screen. Dad asked me again, and I said no, this time more firmly, and then as if no wasn't bad enough, I added, can't you see that I'm busy, which was a variation of what mom used to say, give me time, can't you see that I'm busy, I'll get back to you, mom looked at me, and father, then at me, and then at my father again, Mimi needs to learn discipline, she said using the nickname I was affectionately known by within the family. Then, she announced that perhaps I would benefit from going to boarding school. I can only imagine that when mom heard me talk back to my father that evening, echoing her very own words, she panicked, wondering where this disrespectful child had come from. That wasn't concerned, but for mom, it must have been the last straw. After many months of enduring my tantrums and attention-seeking behavior, an idea that had perhaps already been percolating in her mind began to take clearer shape. In the northern part of the country where we lived, there were several boarding schools known for providing fine academic education combined with compartment component, sort of like Ivy League boarding school, with a touch of posh finishing school thrown in for good measure i would known some kids who would gone to these schools army families sometimes send their children to boarding school and in my own school in bareilly it was considered a cool thing to go off to attend one my parents argued back and forth that evening about my schooling a huge disagreement that lasted all night. It was the only perhaps exception to the rule of no arguing in front of the children that I can remember. Though they did try to keep it in the rearm of discussion rather than fight, dad tried every line of reasoning he could with mom but she wouldn't budge. Mom wanted to do what she thought was best for me and what she thought was best for me was La Martinier Girls College, a four-hour train ride south in Lucknow, the capital of Uttar Pradesh. La Martinier, well over a century and a half old, was a British in its architecture and partial in size. The Girls College, there was an older and larger boys' college too, though the two were kept entirely separate, offered top-notch academics the school also taught its pupils how to be ladies how to dress how to speak and how to develop good healthy habits we were expected to obey a strict light out rules keep our closet neat and be well groomed at all times after the discussion that night my parents started having conversation with me about attending a new and bigger school but in none of these conversation was it mentioned that I was going to live in this new school without my family. I remember taking and passing an admission test and not long after, my mother dressed me up one morning and she had my father travelled to the school for a tour. I figured this would be getting to know you tour. To be followed, if we all like the place by a start date weeks or months away. The door wore and eventually we came to a, a dormitory where I was shown a bed and closet where I could put my things. What things? I turned to my mother and asked, I am going to sleep in this bed. This is where the students came to rest where they are tired, is what she remembers telling me. While she had been adamant about sending me to boarding school. When it came right down to leaving me there at the age of seven, she faltered. She didn't tell me that I was staying that day. She didn't have the heart to. I'm not sure exactly what happened next or how much time passed, but at some point I looked up and my parents were gone. The Martin had told me and all other parents of new students that the hour of departure had arrived. There was to be no lingering, no looking back. It was time for their children to adjust and they would do so under the school's care. Someone must have told me that my mother and father had left and I was now going to live at the school. Yet I have no memory of that moment. What I do remember vividly is the feeling of being abandoned. A feeling that lasted for a long, long time. I remember sitting on the little merry-go-round-goat in the school playground, gripping the cold, rusty bars and staring at the gate for hours that first week and in subsequent weeks too, as I waited for my parents, for my mother to swoop in and take me back home where I belonged. The first time mom was allowed to visit was the following weekend because I was in my playground, waiting spot, staring at the gate. I saw her immediately as she entered the grounds. It was a way bit of unreal moment. The one person I had been longing for suddenly appeared just like I would have dreamed she would. I jumped off the merry-go-round, ran to her and fell to the ground. Why mama, why did you leave me here? I cried as I grabbed her knees. I am so sorry if I made a mistake. Please take me back. I won't do it again. She tried to explain to me that boarding school was for my own good. The Lama tenure was a wonderful place and I would make new friends and learn all sorts of exciting and useful things. In an attempt, I think, to distract me, she asked me to see my dormitory, even though she would seen it the weekend before. I responded, promise me you won't leave me here. If you promise me, then I will take you. She wouldn't promise, but I showed her where I slept Anyway, guiding her through the large doors into a huge room with a high French window and a sea of iron single bits. For the first month of two, mom came every weekend, taking the train four hours each way. She would bring me goodies to replenish my tuck box, the multi-compartment box of food and tinkets that students in India and Great Britain take with them if they, if they go to boarding school. My tuck box was everything to me familiarity family home and mom kept it filled with my favorite treats uncle chips the brand of potato chips i liked best aampapad a tangy mango fruit leather churan sweet tamarind balls mixed with spices and an instant ramen like snack called maggie She put in plenty of other goodies too. And once I started to feel a little more social, I figured out that to make friends, I could share what I considered non-priority items. The priority items, the stuff that I loved and that comforted me, I hid. Having mom visit was heaven, but her departure was agony for both of us. I would be in tears, traumatized, all over again by the separation and as much as mom must have tried to control her own tears as she was leaving she would end up crying too for days afterward i wouldn't be able to sleep or do my homework it was obvious that i wasn't adjusting which was by by principal keller instructed my mother to reduce her visits to no more than once a month when even that reduced visitation schedule didn't help matters Principal Keller took the difficult step of instructing her to stop visiting completely for the next six months. If you are serious about your daughter, continuing her education here, she told my mother, you should not make it more difficult for her. You must give her the opportunity to become more independent. Please don't make the gate man's a job any harder by arriving and asking to be let in. I felt like whatever a tenure safety net had been supporting me had just been ripped away. I still don't understand why I had been sent away, why my mom had thought this was the right move for me, why the school would be good for me. I didn't understand why she couldn't visit me anymore when it was the only thing that made me feel better. Some days I blamed the arrival of my brother, other days I blamed my own bad behavior. My confusion remained because mom didn't explain his, her reason to me, maybe she didn't fully understand them herself. All I understood was that I was alone and that everything was different now. First, there was getting used to sleeping in a huge dormitory, getting used to how the coils under the mattress creaked whenever we moved getting used to the sound of the girls breathing as they slept how they hung their washed socks underwear to the head rails to dry during the day how the temperature dropped the instant you walked into the room because it was cavernous meal times were no longer family times with interesting uh, with interesting dinner table conversation about my parents medical cases and my school Now I ate in a big dining room with long tables and benches surrounded by people I hardly knew. At home, I adamantly refused to eat my vegetables, but in boarding school, you had to finish whatever was on your plate or receive detention. It was a very stereotypical English boarding school with huge arcs vaulted ceilings just like Hawkwood's in Harry Potter's book. Only at the time there was a no Harry Potter, so I didn't even have the comfort of feeling that maybe this experience like Harry Harry's would eventually give me magical powers. I suppose the only slightly magical thing that happened is that I learned to enjoy food I used to hate, like Baingun. For instance, even now eggplant is one of my favorite foods. Out of torture came a new love. One night soon after I was arrived, I threw up in my bed after the lights were turned out. I am not sure if I would eaten something bad or if I was sick was due to the anxiety and fear that sometimes gripped my stomach. But wanting to get in trouble for making a fuss, I want to sleep with a puddle of vomit in my bed and didn't tell a soul. One night, soon after I arrived, I threw up in my bed after the lights were turned out. I am not sure if I would eat something bad or if my sickness was due to anxiety and fear that sometimes gripped my stomach. Not wanting to get in trouble for making a fuss. I went to sleep with a bottle of vomit in my bed and didn't tell a single soul. In the middle of the night, I got up, washed my sheets, hung them up and then returned to my bed to sleep on a bare mattress. Early the next morning, I rose before everyone else and remade my bed with the still damp sheets, the solution of a third grader, terrified of what would happen if she would uh, do another mistake, considering that the last mistake she would made had been bad enough to get her banished from her family. None of my dorm mates even noticed, or if they did, they didn't acknowledge it. Uh, the only person who knew about it was a new girl whom I would become a little friendly with. I told her two days later. Sometimes after the episode, I did complete a turnabout regarding sickness. Instead of pretending that I was not sick, I would pretend that I was. I didn't want to be in class at the point I didn't like most of the people and most of the people didn't like me. But in the infirmary, There was a lovely nurse who used to make all the kids in her cage laugh. It was the only bit of attention I could find. So I did whatever I could do to get her. There was a rumor going around that if you put cut onions under your armpits, you would get fever. So I used to steal onions from the food hall and put them under my armpits, desperately hoping it would send me temperature soaring so I would send the infirmary, where the nurse would take care of me, but only thing that happened was that I smelled like onions. Eventually I stopped questioning why I would be sent away and slowly began to settle in. It had finally sunk in that I didn't have a choice. One teacher, Miss Rose, took me under her wing, occasionally inviting me in the evenings to her quarters on the property. Those nights, we would eat something together and then she would help me with my homework. The one-on-one time was balm, and I started to feel little less alone. And I think the order lines of all the rules at the school started to comfort me in some way too. From the very first day, we were taught how, to Im- how important it was to make a good impression. We had to iron our navy cotton uniforms every night because our pleats were checked every morning. By monitors, as were the height of our socks and the shine of our shoes. It mattered how pressed and ironed your pleats were, how clean your hair was. I bought into this fully making sure I was looking neat and clean and well put together. Even now, my clothes have to be ironed, my shoes need to be scuffed and my closet needs to be orderly. Eventually, Principal Keller's tough love approach worked because after those six months of mom not visiting, the whole thing kind of turned around for me. I made friends, did well academically, and felt more and more at ease. I loved returning home during school breaks and showing off to people how independent I was, and I think that was exactly what my mom had wanted. Dad was posted at out at the border in leh near China, during much of My time at Lama tenure. Mom Mom chose to take early retirement from the military in order to stay back in Bareilly since my brother having been born prematurely was still too small and vulnerable for the high altitude of lay. Now that I was more settled and adjusted, the principal allowed her to see me more often. Unfortunately, it was too far away for my father to visit. Once I felt more settled, mom's trips had only positive effects. In the early days, seeing her reminded me of being pushed away or feeling rejected and banished. But seeing her now reminded me of how far it I would come, how much I would groan and changed. I loved showing her where I slept, my QB, my classrooms. I loved introducing her to my friends and teachers. This was no longer just the place where she would once left me. It was my place now and I was proud to show her everything about it. By my second and third years at Lama tenure in fourth and fifth grade, I started to thrive. I made some close friends and as eight and nine years old, we used to spend recess running around on the large playground of sitting on the little merry-go-round and talking. The school gave us a delicious couple of hours of outdoors play every day. It was a gorgeous setting, with plenty of bright green grass, flowering shrubs, and ashoka, mango, and guava trees, in which monkey loved to perch. One afternoon, I was sitting on the merry-go-round, talking with a friend, when I noticed a monkey in one of the tall ashoka trees. Usually, the monkeys hung out on the shorter trees. They loved the guavas, but on that day, the monkey overhead was watching us from the Ashoka's height vantage point. For some reason, this fellow was having trouble peeling a banana. I noticed and started laughing loudly, maybe even pointing at him. At which point, the monkey made eye contact with me, scrammed down the tree, slapped my face and clambered back up. I sat too shocked for words while my friends laughed hysterically as did everyone else on the playground who had seen the comic bit. Meanwhile, the monkey ate his banana calmly, having succeeded in the peeling it upon his return to the Hyde branch. I take it as an indication of my feeling comfortable enough at school that I wasn't totally humiliated by the scene. A little humiliated, yes, but even then I could see the humour in the situation once my check stopped smarting. I mean... Really having monkey call me out of my poor manners in making fun of him as much as I hated to. I had to admit that it was funny and that I deserved it. During 4th and 5th grades, I was finding things that I enjoyed and had some aptitude for. I was encouraged to get involved in public speaking, debates and swimming. Most Indian schools focus largely on academics, but La Martiniere had an arts focus as well, which suited me perfectly. I remember very clearly that the first time I was asked by a teacher to come up in front of the class and sing for everyone. I danced for family and other people at any opportunity, but I would never really sing for anyone other than my family or the very encouraging audience at my parents' dinner parties. When I finished my song, my favorite things from the sound of music, the entire class got their feet and clapped vigorously, and I loved it. I loved the warm, happy feeling and their applause gave me. I loved being in spotlight of any sort, whether it was for singing, dancing, acting, public speaking, or sports. La Martiniere provided a liberal education and all religious were welcome there. It was perfect school for me because it aligned with the family values of peace, harmony and secularism that I had been raised with. My mother's mother was a Catholic before she married my grandfather. My aunt Sophia converted to Islam after marriage. My father sang in temples, mosques, Sikh gurudwara and churches. It was no surprise then that my parents discovered the teaching of Haida Khan Baba in 1980s. His wisdom resonated with them. ji stressed respect for all religions, saying that although he followed Hindu customs, following any religion would ultimately help you reach God. My parents had long wanted a second child, and after encouraging Baba's te- teaching on a chance visit to his ashram, this years of difficulty finally ended and Sith came into this world. Since I came, remember Babaji had been a part of my life and the face of my faith. Part of the faith is knowing that every individual on this planet who believes in faith has their own face for it. The acceptance of every day is exactly what I saw at Lamar tenure. We celebrated one another's faith and holidays, Diwali, Eid, Purab and Christmas were all recognized, and we always got them off. We would usually have celebrations the day before giving one another gifts were appreciated. Religion wasn't used to define anyone. It was just one another part of who we were. And no religion was considered more important or less important. We didn't need to be instructed to have mutual respect for all. It was the air we breathed. My years of breathing, my, my years in boarding school ended up helping me to be both adaptable and fiercely independent. So I look at them as a gift, a priority item in the tuck box of my life. Being on my own at such a young age taught me how to find my own solutions. If I need something, I would figure out a way to get in somehow rather than waiting around for someone else to get it for me. I am still the way. Absolutely, I developed a skill set that's served me well in my career and my life so far. But I know that being sent away at such a young age affected me in other ways. I learned to compartmentalize difficult movements and events in my life, to focus on the next amazing thing I wanted to do and move on without always fully processing whatever had just happened to me. Keeping these sections of my tuck box neatly organized and separated and moving forward always, moving forward without looking back. My version of being like water. Given that I was so happy at La tenure, I might have stayed on there, though middle school and high school. But this summer, before 6th grade, I contacted typhoid fever when I was home in Bareilly. I was treated there and returned to school in Lucknow as planned, but had attended classes for only a few weeks when I had a relapse, which was severe. I ended up staying in the hospital for two weeks. I had gotten sick frequently during my years away at the school, actually sick as opposed to looking for attention from the niece, from the nice nurse in the infirmary sick. And this final dangerous illness convinced my parents that it was a time for me to bring home. Dad had been transferred back to bareilly and so our family lived together for the first time in years on barak road bareilly Kent, cantonment this airy double storeyed house we were on the first floor another family lived upstairs was located in a neighbourhood where all the officers and their families lived one that offered multiple activities for a curious preteen i rode bikes played badminton and built castles in the sand traps of the neighborhood golf course with other officers' kids as much as I would eventually like boarding school. I was happy to be back with mom, dad, and even Sid with who was now a Rumbunction three-year-old boy. The, independent, the independence I would discover in boarding school allowed me to continue my nascent steps into a boarding social. World, even as I was safe in the arms of my family. At La Martiniere, the teachers had been serious about our academics, compartments, and presentation, but they also knew how to laugh. Though the faculty and students of my new school were of all religions, the school itself was run by nuns. I am not saying that all nuns are humorless, but this group certainly was. At San Maria Goriti Inter College, we learned that girls should be soft-spoken and boys shouldn't cry. We studied a subject called moral science and learned about the seven deadly sins. Not a lot of room from humor there. Even at the age of 10, I couldn't help but I have a bit of skepticism about classes like that those years we were we wore blue tunics and white shirts black shoes and white socks the ritual of ironing my clothes and shining my shoes had been drilled into at la Martinier, and now it was actually fun because i attended to my uniforms dad attended to his too. it was a thing we did together As careful as I was, I followed the rules regarding my uniforms. However, there were plenty of other rules I wasn't so careful about. I quickly became the girl who always got sent to the principal's office for being too loud and for passing notes. There was so much to say to my best friends and unfortunately, I just happened to feel the most communicative during class, especially when the teacher was speaking. I was at an age when I felt clever enough to get away with anything. The way all kids do, I would have been clever enough to survive boarding school, hadn't I? But of course, I was destined to be caught more often than not. Upon being sent to the principal, I would be made to stand outside her office on one leg in an effort to cure me at my predilection for back talk. I didn't understand why talking or being spirited was considered to be so awful. The principal regularly told me that I was the naughtiest one in the class, or how standing on one leg was going to change anything. But the more I was told how naughty I was, the more I rebelled. I have often thought that the behavior that got me into trouble regularly then All that boundary pushing eventually held me in my career as boundary pushing in an advantage rather than a problem is most creative field. Despite the school's attempt to control my behavior, I was still able to find ways to assert my independence. This was the first time I traveled from home to school alone. Before boarding school, my parents had had driven me to and from school every day. Now I took a rickshaw with 6 other kids which made me feel grown up. In 7th grade, I got my first scooter and travelled back and fourth, the that way. And I got my own dog, Brutus, a greyhound when I was 12 and was responsible for walking and feeding him. One afternoon, I thought the might prefer a good run to a boarding old walk, so I tied him to my bicycle and started to pedal. I found out the hard way that he was a lot faster than I was. Note to self, never tie a greyhound to your bicycle. My attitude in those preteen years can be pretty much summed up as nothing gonna kill my vibe, not the principal making me stand outside her office or one on one leg, not the ridiculously awkward, gawky age. Not all the bad hairstyles I, spot, uh, I spotted. Ridhima, Saloni, Nilakshi, and I were a pose, a crew gravitating to one another as we were, the ones always getting sent to the principal's office. Except Ridhima, who was the good girl in the group, she and I really clicked anyway and we are still good friends today. Most afternoon, we would hang out at the Bareilly Club, a private club with both military and civilian members, where we mostly just sat around and talked. It was during my second year at San Maria Goretti that I started to notice the older girls at school being met at the gate of their boyfriend after class had ended for the day, and I began ever so slightly to look at the male of the species with different eyes. From the time I was little, I had plenty of friends who were boys because I was an active child always climbing trees on my bike. I loved the rough and tumble stuff that boys seemed to gravitate toward and I didn't hesitate to compete with them. Now something was beginning to shift. Though I didn't have a boyfriend yet as an 11 and then 12 years old, I was pretty sure that I could get one if I wanted to. I just didn't want to yet lol.